That is no small thing, what Lisa has said. She was watching, making sure those kids were taken care of yesterday. Thank you very much, Lisa. For all of you, the ones that saw your faces and the ones that didn't, thank you so much. Yesterday was an incredible day. You got so much done. You made such an incredible difference. Thank you. It was, it was great. It was really, really great to see what, uh, what was happening there. That's just the start, though. So sorry about that. We got more to do. But we're off to a fantastic start, and it makes such a difference. You were an encouragement. Did you know that you were an encouragement to a church that came to encourage us? They watched the way you were. They watched the way that you were responding to each other. They watched the way that you talked about this, and they said, I wish we had some of that feeling at our church. I love the way those people work together. They said, as soon as they got home, Victoria sent me back an email and said, we're so thankful for what we got to be a part of. They came up and did that. So you were part of that. It's amazing. I want you to know that. Um, it's great. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Graham, and uh, I'm going to lead you through uh, the rest of what we're going to do this morning. If you have one of our handouts, I think they're all gone. If you don't have one of those, you can follow along on the screen up here. You can also use your web-enabled smartphone. Use the free app called Uversion in the bottom right corner. Um, you will be able to find the, uh, the section that says more. Look under more, and there's a live events section. And then just search into one, and you'll have all of the notes that come on, uh, all the scripture references, they'll all be there, because again, we want you to have access to this information, because I, I'm telling you regularly, don't trust me. Go back and read this. Read it in context. Get some more stuff around this, because whenever we study, the point is not that you would hear, the point is that you would hear, you would understand, and then you would obey that you would live. Don't obey me. Obey what Jesus has said. Obey what we are called to be. And so we're trying to do that together. Um, also, if you have that, the form, the, the handout, there's a side panel that you can rip off. It would be amazing if you would take the time to fill that out. Let us know that you are here. Let us know what your contact information is so we can keep you um, informed of what's going on. Also, on the back side, there's a place for you to check off any of those other things. I'm, uh, I would like someone to pray with me. I'm having a, a struggle here. I'd like someone to talk to. Um, I'd like to get baptized. I'd like to give you a suitcase full of money. You know, whatever it is that's on your mind and heart right now, we don't want to stop God from speaking to you and through you. And so that's what we say as we get started again today. Um, it's, it's a prayer that, I, that I, I say myself, and I would encourage you in the same way, that we, we would come before God and we say, God, today, speak to me. But don't come here for anything else. It's that God would speak to us. But then the next part is, God, I pray that you would speak through me. Because somewhere, sometime today, this week, God is going to use you to speak to someone else. And I don't know what it's going to be about. It might have nothing to do with what we're talking about. But our idea is we hear what God says, we live this out. We're obedient. And that happens with people around us. And so that's what we're asking. God, speak to me today. And God, prepare me that you would speak through me as well. Um, I wanted to update you on offering because that's something that a couple of people have been asking about. Uh, we now... <laughs> Finally, it seemed like a much larger process than I thought it should be. We now have access to direct debit. So if you um, would prefer to have uh, just a, a setup transaction that would always happen straight from your bank account, straight to our bank account, I, we now have forms that we can do that. And if you would tell me that, I'll send you the forms and we can get you set up on that as well. Um, throughout February, we had a time that we said we, we had our regular giving and we said, please commit to what God has called you to do. Amazing. 
And then we had a separate box. That separate box was to say, God, we know there's a lot of expenses coming up. We know that we're over our head. But we know that you're in this, so we trust you. And because we trust you, we're going to show with some of the stuff that hurts us the most. You are investing in us, God. We want to invest in your work that is somewhere else besides us. And so we said, money for the church, and then completely separately, money that we would be um, showing as a faith offering on our side to say, God, we're in. We're in with what you are doing here, but also somewhere else. We're not selfish. It's not just about us. And so we had a special spot for collecting. And so with that, we had challenged people to say, $10. Over the month of February, if you could do $10, that'd be great. We did 365 So that's pretty good. If you look around and you count that up, that is pretty good. We've already sent the money. It's gone. We sent it to uh, the Christian Missionary Alliance has a fund called the Global Advance Fund. That is our standard place where we support all of the international workers that come from the Christian Missionary Alliance in Canada. That money has gone. We also sent part of that money to Heart for Africa. If you can remember over the summer, well, leading up to the summer, we had the story about how the Wilkinsons had really felt touched by God that this is something they need to try, um, a challenge for them. And they went, and they were in Swaziland, and they, and they had this ex, uh, great experience with the Heart for Africa people and dealing with the, the orphan children and, and raising these children. And that has been a passionate area for them. They have been a part of that. And so we're going to try and continue to partner in that way as well. So that is where some of that money has already gone out. Um, so did I mention thank you for a great work day yesterday? No. Uh, thank you for a great work day yesterday. We're getting set for some more. If there is a time that you are available that doesn't fit into a regular schedule, you talk to me. I know a guy who's got a key, and I'm going to rig you up. We're going to give you the chance to, uh, to do that when it works well for you. All right, so we're going to continue now. We've been working on a series called The Gifted, and we've been looking at spiritual gifts and the timing again. We just have to take a second to understand the timing. We set this up months and months and months ago, and then God has ordained, planned, organized, allowed, a place where we have a very specific focus now of saying, we got to step it up. We've been here, but we got we to come up somewhat. we gotta, we got to hit the next level. And part of that is knowing what your spiritual gifts are. We do that not so that we can try and uh, squish you, but so that the power of the Spirit of God can conform you continually into His likeness. You are called to serve. He has given you a gift to do that that will build up the church. And we're trying to help you discover what those, those gifts are, what they look like, so that you will know for yourself, so that you can serve, but so that you can be part of the church and let somebody else know, I see this in you. We speak to each other in this kind of place, and that's how we discover. And so we've done, we've done that for a number of weeks so far. We're going to continue. We've been working systematically through the spiritual gifts. We've been listing the ones listed in Scripture. We've been going through. Um, and what we're trying to do is find that common language again, common terminology, because if you have any history in church, you'll know that these things have come up in other ways. And so we want the same language, the same words that we will use, and a common understanding. Whatever else you have learned, what we're going to try and do is come to our common understanding. I'm not going to say that everything else you've ever heard in your life is wrong. What I'm trying to say is this is a way that we're going to try and learn to speak together so that we can understand that. We're doing this so that we might function as a church better, but also so that our shared faith in God would increase. And as we see other people doing what they have been called to do, it's amazing. It's a great thing to be around to watch that happen. And so we are trying to be aware, cognizant of the fact that we are in partnership with God. That that's the way he's always set it up to work. We're in partnership with him. 
When we are doing what we do now, it's because God is doing it. And we're just trying to keep up with him. So we're trying to have our eyes open for what God is doing and how we will use our gifts in that place. And then as we do that, we will see our faith increase. We will be able to trust God more, which transforms the way that we live. And then the next step is that it will transform the way that people around us live. Because we have been blessed to be a blessing to all nations. It's a, it's a plan that was brought out in, in Genesis. It's the ongoing plan. This is what God has always been able to uh, do and to say. And so to that end, may we continue to be found to be courageous, to be faithful, to be obedient, to act with honesty and integrity, and to be effective as we work so that we might bring glory to God. That's the goal that we have. We have a building that's in our mind, but our building is a tool. It's a tool that enables us to bring glory to God, to reach out, to tell stories, to enable people to have their faith increase. So if you're joining us midway through this series, I would encourage you, it's the only series I've ever said, please go back and listen to all the other ones. They build on each other. They fit together. We have a podcast that's available. You're welcome to go back and listen to the other things. But for this series, I'd strongly encourage you, let's learn the common language. Let's have the same understanding of what we have in this gifted part. But if you were jumping in partway, let me just give you a quick summary of some of the things we've come to already. The first is that spiritual gifts are not natural gifts. They're not um, things that you just got at birth. They're not just things that you're good at. Spiritual gifts are not talents that you have developed, you have studied, you have learned in school or, or, or something like that, although your spiritual gift might be uh, improved by doing some of these things. Um, it's not about your education or your life experience, your family heritage or tradition. These are things that God has gifted us when we've become believers. They're um, from God, they're for all Christians, and they are for serving God and serving others. That's the point of them. And all of them have as their root a supernatural power. There is not one that we would describe as being supernatural while some are, some are just natural. It's important to get this understanding that what we're saying with spiritual gifts is that they are all supernatural. So over the last weeks, we have summarized the gifts in three ways. We have the love gifts, which we started with, and they demonstrate to the world and to each other God's love in very practical ways. And many of you have gifts that fall into that category, and I know because I have been loved by you, and I have watched you love people around you, and it's beautiful. Then next we moved on to word gifts, and word gifts are there to clarify the nature and actions and purposes of God so that we would together understand and learn and grow, and as we do that, that's another way for us to increase our faith. The next group is called the power gifts, and these demonstrate the power of God, they demonstrate the presence of God and the reality of God in our world and in our community. This week, we're going to start, or I guess continue. Last time we did it, it was prophecy, and we looked at it. It's sort of a crossover gift. It's like the two-pack. It's mixed training, if you wanted to get into that one. It's a little bit of a word gift, and it's a little bit of a power gift, so it kind of goes in both ways. But today, we're starting um, power gifts. And so as we do that, this is a place where people associate the church with that, that really important word called weirdness, okay? This is where people think we get weird. And, okay, um, we do. 
There is some weirdness in this. This is not regular life. This is not normal. And what we're saying is that there's a God intervening. There's something supernatural about that. That's not normal. That's something extra normal. So as we do that, we have some past experiences. We've, we've heard some stories. We've had some experiences. And before we get into this, what I would like to do is, is again, surrender our hearts and our minds to God and say, what would you teach me today? I know I've already got thoughts about this stuff. What would you teach me? That's where I want to go. And so I want you to start by yourself. Lay down your ideas. What you have come to believe up until this point, lay them down. If you need to, you can pick them back up at the end. But for today, for right now, let God speak to you and guide you in this way. Lay down your ideas. Lay down your fears. Lay down your past experiences, the ones that have been absolutely fantastic, the ones that have been really freaky and weird. Lay those things down. Let's leave them behind. History cannot dictate what God is trying to do today. So just because of what you've experienced somewhere else, that doesn't mean that's what's going to happen now. We have to be able to learn with what God is teaching us today. We want to hear from God today through Scripture and through His Spirit. But you need to decide for this to happen because you have incredible powers to block God. So choose today that you won't. You need to decide, Lord Jesus, I am open to what you would do. I'm open to what Scripture would have to say. I will look at this. I will be able to look at this more than just today, and I will evaluate. I will engage, and then I will become obedient. I will not allow my expectations good or my expectations bad to stop what God wants to do. <clears throat> and as I say that, if anything is coming to your mind about where there is concern or discomfort, you want to hear those, okay? You want to have those memories, and at the same time, you want to say, this is the stuff, God. This is the stuff that I'm talking about. Please, help me push that aside today. I want this to be new and not just based on my past. If there's people that come to mind that you say, I have a bad memory. I have a great memory. We want a clean slate. Jesus, clear my mind that I might hear from you and hear from Scripture well today. Stop. Give this over to Jesus that you would clear, that you would hear clearly from him today. So take a moment. I kind of guided you through that, but take a moment to ask for these things for yourself. <coughs> hear our prayers, Jesus. Deal with our unbelief our distorted belief. Please deal with our fear. Help us to process our embarrassment. Help us to deal with our wrong expectations. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would guide us forward by your Spirit. We are ready today for you to speak to us and then to speak through us. Amen. Okay, let's go. The first gift we're going to look at today is the spiritual gift of tongues. This has nothing to do with more tongues, better tongues, bigger tongues, longer tongues, frog-like tongues, none of those. The gift of tongues is about language, and it 
speaking a message in an unknown language or a spontaneous utterance from God in unknown words. Uh, speaking in tongues is speaking or, or praying or worshiping in a language that's unknown to the speaker. So here's another definition. Keep working through this. It's dealing with another. This also brings in interpretation of tongues. It is the ability to spontaneously respond to the giving of an authoritative message in tongues by interpreting that tongue and clearly communicating the message that's given. In other words, at some point, it is possible that someone could simply begin speaking in another language. That might happen to you in a small group setting. It might have happened in a church that you have attended. It might have been absolutely forbidden to ever happen at a church that you've attended. It might happen in, in, in a worship service. It might happen with some other people around you. And you suddenly realize that if this is you, you don't know the language that you're speaking. You never learned it. Or it's not even a language that somebody else is speaking. But for the other person who's interpreting, they will be able to say, I have no idea what that language is, and yet I have a clear sense that God is giving me the meaning of that message. And when we say meaning here, I don't mean just translation, right? It's not just identifying the words. It's identifying what the message means. This would be how it would come up. So the first time we see tongues in the New Testament, Acts chapter 2. So we're going to look today at Acts chapter 2. And then you can you guessed it, right? It's 1 Corinthians 14. So those are the two places we're going today. Acts chapter 2 is the first time. And this is when God sets up to establish the church. That's us. Here's what happens, okay? In Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So all the Christians gathered together, right? Pentecost is a huge Jewish celebration. It's a festival. It's a feast. It's a party. People come from all over to have this big event. Because here's the side note. Our God tells us to have parties. Stop what you're doing. Enjoy each other. Eat together. Have a celebration. And in the midst of your celebration, remember me. Remember that I am the one who provided all that you have. Celebrate me at this time. Okay? But he, he's all about the party. So all around the Roman Empire, Jews would be flocking back to Jerusalem because Jerusalem's the hot spot. It's party central. It's where you wanted to go for this. This um, is called Pentecost in the New Testament, but if you were to read about it in the Old Testament, it's, it's Shavuot. And it occurs 49 days after the Passover. So we're coming up to that timeline now. So it's the 49th day after, which means it's the 50th day, including Passover itself. So the Hellenistic Jews, Hellenistic means um, more Greek-influenced. So they would probably speak Greek, and they had more Greek culture. And the New Testament is predominantly written in Greek. So the Hellenistic Greeks, um, that was the language of the day. It was the way to make sure communication got out to the most people. So they looked at this Pentecost, and they said, let's call it 50th day. That's what Pentecost means, 50th day. It's nothing really fancy there. The Feast of Pentecost celebrates or commemorates the giving of the Ten Commandments of Moses on Mount Sinai, to Moses on Mount Sinai, 49 days after the Exodus. It used to be all about celebrating the law and how it was given to us. Now, it celebrates the giving of the new law. 
the law of the Spirit. That's the way we celebrate Pentecost now, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Falls at about the same time, and what it does is show that the celebration has always been there about the desire that God has to relate to us. When he gave the law, he gave it so that we might have right relationship. When he gave the Spirit, it was so that we might have right relationship. It's not just about those things specifically, it's about what they were for. And relationship was the big part about what they were for. So continuing on. Uh, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what appeared to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Take a side note here, okay? That sounds just like a question about where these people live. Hey, aren't these people Galileans? That's not what's really being said. What they're saying, if a modern translation was to come up, hey, aren't these a bunch of backwater hillbilly nobodies with no education? They're dummies. How could they possibly know how to speak in this language? How could they be doing this? This is not a nice comment. It's not even sort of a generic sort of awareness of what's going on. It's insulting what they're saying. That's what they mean by that. Goes on. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both the Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. They're drunk. How many people are glad this morning that I did not ask them to read that passage? You know, that, that, this, this is years of Bible school right there. That, that, I, that I can make up those words as I go along and just say it with confidence, right? That's when you, that's the fear, right? Whenever somebody says, read the Bible, I'm going to get a list of names and places. Oh, boy. All right. I'm going to be honest with you here again. You might find this hard to believe, but I'm not a guy who really gets drunk all that much. So my understanding of drunkenness is going to be a little bit limited. But, but if you can get drunk and then speak a real language that you have never learned, that has got to be the only perk I've ever heard of actually getting drunk. Because that's pretty impressive, right? That's what they're accusing them of. Oh, I figured out, how did you learn to speak Arabic? You got drunk. Does that make any sense? When God shows up in a powerful way, in a community, this is what happens. When he comes to church, this is the kind of thing that goes on. Some will affirm it, and they will absolutely be changed for the rest of their lives. They will see God in that moment. There will be a connection, and blammo, things change. Their heart is adjusted. Their mind is made clear. They have had an encounter with God. Other people are going to be bewildered, and they're going to sit on the fence, and they're going to have to watch everything, and they're going to watch it going, I don't don't know. 
I can't, I can't get in. And some, even Christians, will mock it. And the caution to you is to be careful. Be careful of what you don't understand. Some people in that moment, that moment that we just read about right there, they mock the work of God. And they lost out. They lost out on that moment. They lost out on what God was doing in that specific spot. But because of that moment, because of the desire to mock, they might possibly have lost out on that connection to God for eternity. Because they knew better. God, when He shows up, He is not required to fit within the confines that we would prefer. He is not required to fit into what you are comfortable with. He is not required to make something look the way that you think it should look. This is, again, a place where we understand lordship and we come back to this idea that God is in control and we are not. This is the relationship that makes a lot of us uncomfortable because for the most part we can say, sure, God, you're in charge, but just don't do anything I don't like. Just don't do anything I don't want. Just don't do it in a way that I don't like. And our cultural norms just don't matter to him. They're what matter to us, but they're also frequently what hold us back from what God would do because he's of a different culture. He's of a different nature. He's of a different way. And our desire and our goal is to become like him and not somehow compress him to become like us. So this passage is very familiar. It's deeply theological, and therefore it's also deeply debated. It is a passage that gets all kinds of attention. In here, he mentions Luke. It's the guy who's writing this. 15 geographical areas, 15 different languages that are mentioned. And God promised this in Joel chapter 2. He said this is what will happen. And God is now saying to these Christians, those first ones there, as I had promised, you will speak in this way. This ability to speak in many languages was a gift. But here's the point. This act began the process of bringing the world back to God through Jesus and his people called the church. We're blessed to be a blessing to all nations. God's plan has always been for everyone. And this moment is a time to say, I know you Jews kind of got used to thinking it's all you. Here's my heart, though. I was hoping to use you to get to them. Because I always work in partnership. And I always work in partnership with you to do this. Now that partnership has shifted to the church. The church is the partner that God says, we're going to be a blessing to all nations. But that's always been my heart that there would be a blessing to all nations. But to really understand Acts chapter 2, this is the problem with Bible study, right? You guys go, oh, come on. Just make it easier. Stop making it relate to stuff. If you really want to get Acts chapter 2, you have to go back to the beginning of the Old Testament. You have to go back to a central story in the book of Genesis. And that story, can you guess what that story would be? We have one end over here, and then we have Acts 2 on the other end. The Tower of Yes, there we go, the Tower of Babel. You go back there, Babel, Babel, depending on how you like to say it. God intervened at that moment, and he took common language, and he split it. He fractured the human race at that time, shattering the unity that they had, 
shattering the common language that was there and spreading them over the face of the earth. And as you hear that, you have to remember that was always done as an act of grace. That wasn't done as something weird and vindictive because weird and vindictive would have been, let's kill them. What they have done with their common language, what they have done with their unity is wrong. It's bad. It's evil. Instead of killing them, he spread them out. That was the act there that started it all. But at the beginning, that's what happens. And now God's mission, what it was then and certainly is now, is to reverse the fragmentation that he started at Babel. He will now create new unity out of human diversity. In Jesus, there's a new humanity that will be created. And the old dividing walls that held us apart, those are to be abolished. And he starts it all with the gift of tongues. That's where it fits in. It's a big deal. Here's what we can find out about tongues from Acts chapter 2. They are known languages. It was praise. It was thanksgiving. It was evangelistic. People heard about the works of God in their own language. And as you continue, this is what takes place, okay? After that happens, after they hear um, messages or, 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 or celebration in their own language, Peter steps up. And Peter steps up and he speaks in one language, a common language that they all share. And at that time, speaking in a language that everyone understood naturally, but one time to speak to everyone at once, he preached about who Jesus was and who Jesus is and what he claimed and what he taught. He preached about the death of Jesus and his resurrection. And then what happened? What was the response? And then 3,000 believers, 3,000 new believers, 3,000 people who say, I believe in Jesus, came that day. It was made clear to them at that time. They became Christ followers. They became Christians. They changed the way that they would live. And this was the pattern that Jesus used himself. When you watch how he worked, signs and wonders, power gifts, then preaching. That's the way it would work. And he binds them together and brings many to faith in himself, in God. There are no other accounts. There are, there are other accounts of tongues in the book of Acts. And they all look a little bit different. There's uh, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 19. If you flip to 19 verse 6, you can flip really fast if you look there. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Here we're trying to understand the gift of tongues through things that happened. Um, Luke describes what happened. And then we're going to try and look at what Paul says about that. And, and all of what we're trying to do is get the understanding of tongues through the experiences of others. So in the book of Acts, the gift of tongues is given at different times. In Acts 2, the men who received the gift spoke in known languages. In Acts chapter 10, either the gift was uh, a language or Peter and his friends received interpretation because they heard non-Jews for the first time glorifying God. In Acts chapter 19, it's not clear whether the tongues were understood or not. They just happened. But in each of these cases, the primary purpose concerning the gift was to authenticate new segments of people being added into the church. And God was endorsing them by releasing this gift. There was a point. There was something that was going on there. So this expression of tongues was God using this gift as a sign that he was starting to connect Jewish Christians with non-Jewish Christians. 
and to make them a new family called the church. Now, in our world, the church, there's at least two major problematic teachings about tongues. They're out there. They're very common. Perhaps you've heard them. Um, and they flow out of the book of Acts. Because of what we saw in the book of Acts, these are some things that we think. And so one of those teachings is that some people would say that all Christians can speak in tongues if they just ask. The second one is that all true Christians must speak in tongues because it's the first sign that Jesus is in you. Those are two teachings that are out there, and I'm going to call them problematic. That doesn't necessarily make everybody happy, but I don't think that they embrace the whole counsel of Scripture, and they come from more of a purely Acts point of view. Many good people have an affiliation with one of these beliefs. But these ideas, these ideas have driven people from the church, which seems to be the exact opposite of what God did with the gift of tongues at the beginning, was to bring people together, to bring them in, to bring them as part, to say, I'm about inclusion. These things have driven people from the church. Many have felt like second-class citizens because of these teachings. I don't measure up. I don't have it. It has caused them to doubt to doubt their God, to doubt their salvation. It brings people to a place where they're frustrated with the Holy Spirit and frustrated with the leaders in the church. They don't know what to do about it. And I would hazard a guess that some of you have been in churches, in church circles, where it was so important to speak in tongues, and you tried so hard, and you were frustrated but those people around you, they kept anointing you. They kept saying, this is for you. You're almost there. If God is in you, this will happen. And you longed for that moment of connection. You longed for God to be part of your life. You longed for that to be part of your experience. And it just, it just never happened. And you felt that pain of exclusion. You felt that loss. You felt that sense that I don't belong. I'm not in it. God doesn't want me. They don't want me. And you thought the best way to deal with this is to just fake it. And you did. And the problem went away. Oh, good, you're in. It had nothing to do with the move of God. It had everything to do with just trying to be part of a group. And those teachings, I think, have been problematic. And as we have learned week after week, I want to remind you specifically now that those things need to end here clearly now. If that has been your experience, then we need to ask that God would restore that sense of belonging to you. If you lied to try and fit in, well, then we need to ask for forgiveness for that. It's not about condemnation, it's about freedom. To come to the place where I will actually be seen for who I really am. We tried to make things very clear, and I want to do it again. God gives the gifts. His choice is sovereign, not subject to my opinion, not subject to my preference. None of us are called to have all the gifts. All of us are not called to have 
one gift in common. Both of those things are true. Only Jesus ever displayed all of the gifts at once. No one else should. And there is no one, there's, there is no place that all of us will ever show the same spiritual gift. It's just not the way God was trying to work. Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, they say the same thing in time and time again. God's Spirit binds us together. God's character, the fruit of the Spirit, is required for all of us in growing measure. And He chooses sovereignly which gifts we get, which gifts are ours to manifest, to use to serve. So hear the Word of God again in this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Down to verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Paul goes on to list many gifts. We get down, jump into verse 10. To another, there's miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Our opinion is appreciated but unrequired. This is a lordship place again. Don't feel the pressure to do something that God has not ordained for you to do. Other side, do not ever put pressure on others to have or to use gifts that God has not given to them. Do not resist the Lord if a gift is being given to you that you might not want. Luke is writing the book of Acts, and Paul is writing 1 Corinthians 14, and they talk about this gift, and they use different language. If you could see it in the Greek, it's helpful to see that they use different words, and translation comes out looking about the same, but they are using different things. In Acts chapter 2, it actually means a known dialect. So that's why we said that it was language that people knew. But Luke uses other words later to describe just something that comes out of someone's mouth. Um, later in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says different kinds of tongues, and, the, and that word means different, um, different species, different origins, uh, different kind of animals. It, it's a separate kind of thing. Um, then he later uses the, another phrase that means, again, just anything that comes out of your mouth. The language that Luke and Paul use show us that there's diversity in how spiritual gifts work. They don't always look the same. They have different kinds of appearances. In Acts, we see God using this gift profoundly. We see in 1 Corinthians 12 that God distributes it, and it's, um, it, it's true of every gift. He distributes it to only some. Then we get to the main passage. So Acts shows that it seems like everyone's getting... And then 1 Corinthians, it becomes clear that only to some. We get in the main passage where we're going to spend a bunch of time two weeks ago. Remember we talked about prophecy. It was 1 Corinthians 14, and we looked at this a whole bunch. So... There's a bunch that's going to relate back, so if you don't listen to any of the other ones, go back and listen to Prophecy, because they really overlap here, and I'm not going to do the whole thing that I did last time. This time, you can be very thankful for that. Um, Paul was teaching a local church how to use tongues, how to use prophecy correctly. It's, it's all about understanding. It was all about intelligibility. And then he's going to go on to again talk about love. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 we get there. The first part that he starts with again is follow the way of love and eagerly desires the gift of the Spirit. 
he's referring immediately back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where he talks about what does love look like? It looks like all these things. So now that we've got what love looks like, we go on, it says, oh yeah, follow the way of love. That's the way you're supposed to be. Paul starts with love before mentioning any of the gifts at all. Verse 2, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Is that the way that you have heard tongues described to you? Because this, this is 1 Corinthians. This is the Apostle Paul writing on the inspiration of God. They don't speak to people. They're speaking to God. No one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. So here's a quick field guide, if you will, for the description that teaches us four things about tongues. First, tongues is a person speaking to God by the Holy Spirit, not to fellow Christians. It's not something that you speak on to somebody else. It's mysterious in the sense that it lies outside of understanding. The person who speaks in tongues will not know what they are saying. And the people around them will not know what they are saying. But using the gift of tongues, because this is the way spiritual gifts work, it edifies, it builds up the speaker. They are doing what they are supposed to do. They are using their spiritual gift, and that builds them up. The person with the gift of tongues will actually, again, discover joy, connection, intimacy with God in this moment. It's an incredibly beautiful and powerful gift that they have been given. Tongues can be, but does not need to be in a known human language. As in every other study, we listen to all of Scripture, not to a single passage, not to a single verse. 1 Corinthians 13, here we go. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Without love, it's not pleasant to be around me. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm annoying. Then he says, in the tongues of men and angels, or what we sometimes describe as a heavenly language. Tongues does not always need to be known in a known language. And just for clarity's sake, if someone speaks in tongues around me, I don't know all the languages on earth. Right? Because that has been a concern. If you follow more of the book of Acts, then tongues always has to be a known language. But realistically, how would I know? There's all kinds of languages that I don't speak. There's all kinds of languages that I don't have an understanding about. Okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 2 and 16. Paul indicates that one of the things that was um, the problem is when a guest comes into the group and they come in and no one understands what's going on. It makes you think that that was not a language that anyone would know. That's the way he describes it. When people come in, they have no idea what you're saying. You need to go through 1 Corinthians 14 again. We went through a lot of it last time, and again, I don't want to go through the whole thing again. Acts 2 describes something that happened in front of people at a key point in God's revealing himself in human history. The story in Acts is narrative. 1 Corinthians 14 is much more about the reflections of Paul after being involved in many churches, many different churches, in many different places, many different languages already in, in effect there, and it's his guiding comments for use of the gifts within a local church. 1 Corinthians 14 is not narrative, it is doctrinal. It is instructional. This is what you do. When you're in this circumstance, this is the way you should make things happen. When this happens, do this. Acts is saying, this is what happened that day. There are different kinds of texts there, okay? So it's important to see that. 
1 Corinthians 14 seems to be the passage that would describe regular, ordinary use of the gift of tongues in a church. It's that teaching provides regulation. It, it provides a standard for which we would direct our churches by. So uh, 14 verse 4. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. This is about the best use um, for tongues in a public worship service. But it also teaches us a couple of other things. Many people advocate that all of us do or could have the gift of tongues, and this is where they typically point. It comes back to that spot. The point here is about the, not about the acquisition of a gift, but about its intelligibility and the use of gifts. Prophecy works better. Teaching works better because people understand what's happening. If you do speak in tongues in a smaller group or a larger group session, then it must be interpreted. Somebody must rise up with a gift of interpretation. If they don't, you stop. The, the, even when it is translated, that doesn't become a point where you say, okay, God gave them a message. This person now has a divine sense of understanding of that message. They give that to us. It doesn't become a binding thing for the group because the message was given to a person. It was for them. So you can agree with that message, but it, it, it's not somehow um, prescriptive on the people around you. So uh, the, the question is for people who, who feel very compelled or in the habit of speaking in tongues, that you have to ask yourself, what is most important to you as a Christian? Your gift experience or the experience of the body? The gift experience that they will have together. <sighs> I'm going to skip down farther. Um, 1 Corinthians 14, 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue or two, or at the most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. Further direction on what this looks like. So tongues should not dominate a service. It should not be done all at one time. So it's about control here as well. Someone needs to interpret in this chapter, and this is the third time that it's asked for someone to interpret. So I'm going to skip that too. If you are somebody with the gift of interpretation, how will you know? You need to be around someone who speaks in tongues. It really doesn't show up somewhere else. So if, if that's something you're going, well, maybe that's me. That's, I'm sort of resonating in that kind of a thing. Well, you'd have to have had some sort of experience with a gift of tongues to be able to say, I know what God is saying through this. It's not the sort of thing you can sort of um, develop on your own. So it does require um, the body to be part of it. Intercession would be the next gift that I wanted to get to. And we're just very short. Um, it's not listed in the formal list of gifts, but there's about five that are sort of extrapolated from Scripture because we see them in action a number of times. They're, uh, they've been recognized throughout church history, and they're mentioned in Scripture in a number of different ways. Intercession is when we move our prayer life from ourselves to others. Uh, and we all can, we all should intercede, but some of us seem to have a supernatural ability to do that. And, but quite often you don't know that that's what it is. You sort of think that other people are just the same. But you could say stuff like, yeah, I regularly pray for 30 minutes or four hours, and you don't? And it, it's hard to believe that people don't have that same sort of uh, way of thinking. So four different kinds of intercessors that we come across, uh, four ways intercessors intercede. First one, general intercessor. These people love lists. Give me a list. Let me pray through this whole thing right here. Give me a guide. Give me a regular time. 
I like extended prayer. Give me the more information you can because I like to pray through that. The next one would be crisis intercessors. Another total opposite. They are all about promptings. God brought you to my mind. God brought this to my mind. They sense that God is calling them to do something and they pray for a specific situation or a person. They lock on. They pray until it's done. It's the sense that the, the, the whole experience is like labor. They pray from the first sense of labor until the baby's born, until it's done. Personal intercessors would be the third one. Some people are granted a special calling, a special burden to pray uh, in a regular and intense kind of basis for a specific person or a specific group. Um, it's typically attached to pastors or significant Christian leaders. Number four, spiritual conflict intercessors. They found um, a profound sense of direction to pray for people through spiritual darkness and heaviness. They pray them from that to spiritual light and freedom. This can be about individuals or neighbors, countries, families, people groups, language groups, different sort of uh, configurations of those. All of these people are gifted by God. They all are gifted in different ways, and they all have a difficult time understanding why the other person doesn't see it the same way as they do. This is what we should do. We should be casting out demons. Give me the list. I don't sense God prompting me. You know, like there's, they just have a, a way that they can say the same things, but they don't see them in the same kind of way. And we see this in, in Jesus. We see this in Hannah. We see this in Samuel. Um, it shapes the life of these people. So, that was the end. As we've done in the other weeks, I want to have the chance to, uh, to, to ask you, do you sense, have you had the impression that you have the gift of tongues? That you have the gift of interpretation of tongues? Or that you're an intercessor? These are three gifts. And so what we have done in the past as well, we have said, these are things that we want to pray God's blessing upon you for. And again, if you missed out another week, we're going to go through the list of other gifts and pray in the same way. That if God has given us these things, then we're going to ask that he would give us the discernment and the wisdom to manifest these things. So um, I'm going to ask you to stand as we go through these things again. I know this is a little bit uncomfortable, but we're family and we're trying to get to know each other. We need all of the gifts, not some of the gifts. So if you feel like um, the gift of tongues is something you've been given, this is your spot. Gift of interpretation of tongues. No, you've got to stay forever. Intercession? Okay, those are the ones for today, and then we're going to go through the, the list of the other ones. If you weren't here for some of those, and this is, um, these are yours, we're going to ask that you pray for each other. We pray blessing on each other. If you hear the gift that you sense is yours, again, let's identify with those things and take those as part of who you are. So Jesus, thank you for your word. It is real and it is true. Thank you for distributing gifts in our midst. Thank you for the gift of tongues for the gift of the interpretation of tongues, and for intercession. God, we thank you for the gift of prophecy. We thank you also for the gift of leading, of pastoring, of evangelism. Thanks also for blessing us and blessing us richly with people who have the gifts of administration, the gift of helps, the gift of mercy, the gift of giving the gift of teaching, the gift of apostleship and exhortation. God, we are better 
for all of these. Give us the character, each one of us the character that we need, the mutual submission that we need, and the ability and desire to serve as you have called. May the power of Christ be released upon these standing, these who have identified, this is where I sense that I am. May this again be beyond all of our, um, all that we can ask or even imagine. God, we pray that you would bring honor to yourself and delight in these. We pray that you would release them to use their gifts with pure motives. We ask that you would fill them with your spirit, give them opportunity to use their gifts, to serve, to bless. We ask that you would empower them, that you would release them, and that you would use them. With this power to each one given here, Jesus, I pray that you would build your church called Into One, that you would build your church in Stouffville, you build your church in York Region, in Ontario, in Canada, and throughout the world. And as we pray these things for Into One Community Church, God, we pray for our friends at All Nations Church in Phuket, Thailand. God, we pray that you would bless the Burnets and the church that is growing there. Bless Derek and Bonnie as they lead and serve in this new international church. We look forward to watching what you do in our midst. We look forward to telling the stories of your great faithfulness, your love, and your provision. Be glorified in our midst. Be lifted up for you, Jesus, our Lord of all. Grow your church, Lord Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to the God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. May you be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for celebrating. Thanks for participating. It's better when you're here. It's better when we get together. It's getting better because God's starting to light something up as well. He's getting you engaged in a different way, in a deeper way, and it's beautiful to watch. So thank you for your participation. Thanks for what you bring. Thanks for letting God work in you. And I'm looking forward to the stories that come back, again, about how God has spoken through you to someone else, how something just happened in front of you. Those are good stories.